The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Today we're starting a new series, and we don't do series, we do books here at Summit, but we're doing a series just called Parables, um, and, and, and we spent a long time kind of coming up with the name for this series. It was about five seconds on a phone conversation. What do you want to call it? Um, we, we call it Parables because what we're going to do is we're going to just do different parables from Jesus for the next eight weeks or so that'll get us through the summer. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited about it for this one reason. Many of the parables of Jesus were meant to help us, the followers of Jesus, understand really big, huge concepts. And I'm not the brightest person in the room. I know that. And Jesus was trying to change the landscape. There had been thousands of years of religion where following God looked this certain way, and he was coming to usher in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. I'm gonna use those terms interchangeably. They mean the same thing. He was coming to usher us in. In fact, some of his first words, he's like, repent, get ready for the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm changing all the rules. This kingdom is gonna be backwards. If you wanna be the greatest in it, you gotta be the least. If you wanna be the best, you gotta be a servant of all. Uh, We don't any longer have to go to God. God's coming to us. You don't need to be righteous through the things you do. I'm gonna be righteousness for you. There's great value in in the things of this world, but what I want to set up is a kingdom where it's not of this world, where you set your eternity and your focus somewhere else. When when he was about to be crucified in front of Pilate, Pilate's like, sorry, are you a king of a kingdom or not? He's just like, yeah, but my kingdom's not of this world. It's not of this world. And so Pilate's like, you're nuts. You're a king of an invisible kingdom. He's not nuts. He was changing the game. And so he helps us understand these huge, shattering concepts by telling stories. You know, it's kind of, the kingdom of heaven's kind of like this farmer. Went out and he's kind of threw some seed out there in the field and some of it grew. And and people are like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense to me. And so today we're going to look at a very short parable. Okay, it's the first one of many we'll look at. It's a very short one talking about the kingdom of heaven. And many people call it the pearl of great price. Very short little parable that helps us understand a huge kingdom concept. So I'm excited about this. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to jump in. All right? Let's pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching it to us in a way that we can understand you and your kingdom and its principles. And we're just delighted, Lord, to get to open your word today, to learn from it, and hopefully leave here transformed by it, by you, by your Holy Spirit. So come and speak to us. Uh, through these parables, through these stories. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, if you will. Matthew chapter 13. Just a couple verses, 44 through 46. This is Jesus teaching his disciples, trying to get them to understand about the kingdom of heaven, which that is not a place, it's not a location. That is the reign and rule of Jesus Christ in your life. Okay, He's ushering in the reign and rule of himself as a king of this kingdom that is inside you. He said this, the kingdom of heaven, oh, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. All right, so I I like to picture these stories as they're happening. This isn't a narrative, but picture a field, picture a beautiful field, picture walking through this field, picture stumbling upon a wonderful treasure. That sounds, I mean, that sounds fun, right? We've all thought of that. I don't know of anyone that's ever actually done it, but we've thought about it. You've pictured this 
treasure. It's hidden in a field. But when this person found it, he immediately hid it again. Whew, this, is, this is a treasure. This is valuable. I don't want anyone else to steal it. I want it for myself. He hid it again. Then it, he went and in his joy, if you have your Bible, that's a big one right there. That's a big phrase to make sure and understand. Jesus is teaching us something here. Okay, there's an attitude or a heart condition that we should have about the kingdom of heaven. He said, he went in great joy or with his joy and he sold everything he had so that he could buy that field. Now, the next parable, starting in the next verse, is a little bit easier to apply. Because I think some people get confused by this, like, wait, so am I buying the field? Am I buying the treasure? Did, what, what is the treasure? I need you to explain this to me. So let's, let's look at the next one. I love that Jesus was like, yeah, that was, that was good, but here's a, here's a better illustration. Here's a better example, verse 45. He said, again, it's, it's kind of like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who was looking for fine pearls. He was out looking for the best pearls that he could find, but when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything that he had and he bought that pearl. It cost him everything, but it was that valuable to him. It took everything he had. He had to go get rid of it all to have his treasure. Okay, so Jesus is teaching us something. He's teaching us a principle. He's teaching us a principle about the reign and the rule of him in the life of his followers, and he's saying it's going to cost you something. Oh, wait, he's not just saying it's going to cost you something. What's he saying? It's going to cost you everything. Now, you see how this is an earth-shattering revelation? You're trying to get people to follow you, and you go ahead and tell them right out of the gate, following me will cost you everything. That's a terrible sales pitch, right? That's a terrible sales pitch. You don't know me, but I, I'm worth everything. Oh, you think so, Jesus? Do you? And we... We as kind of wannabe followers, we're just like, yeah, but you can do it a different way. You, you, can, you can do it where it's like, it'll cost you some stuff. Like you may not be able to do some of the things you want to do, but you can still you know, have treasures and possessions and all. You don't, have, you don't have to be all about that. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. This, this, is, this is a new way of seeing it. The cost for me is your life. It's everything. And he, he says this multiple times. He says it point blank, but now he's just doing it in the form of a story. He's saying and we need to understand that in the kingdom of God, it is so valuable. He is so valuable that it's worth everything that we have. I, you're, we're going to see a baptism at the end of the service, this sweet young girl. And, and so I, I want to be careful how I share this, Okay because I believe that her faith is very real, and I believe that she has weighed the cost, and I believe that she's made this decision. You'll, you'll get to hear that testimony in, in a little bit. But having worked with a lot of young adults in my ministry career, it's not every single time, but almost every time. When you're talking to a 20-something who put their faith in Jesus in their teenage years, their story goes something like this. I heard the gospel. I knew I needed Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I began to try and live for Jesus. And then 10 years later, I had this revelation that I'm not taking it serious. And I had to decide then. I had to decide then as an adult. And when I started having kids, I had to decide when I went to college. I had to decide, am I gonna take this serious or not? 
Am I going to be for Jesus or not? Because I, I want Jesus and I want heaven, but I, at some point you got to kind of just make that hard line decision. You got to put that line in the sand and say, I, I'm in. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here. This isn't something you do flippantly. This isn't something that you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of for you. This is something that will cost you your life. It, it will be you laying down your life. The old is gone and the new has come. It, it's a big concept. It's a life lived longing for God. It's a life that we give up everything that you have if it meant you would get more of God. There, there's a story in the Old Testament that's actually an entire book. It's the book of Job. And it, it's a good illustration of this. Job loved God. God and Satan had this bet, which I've always thought that was kind of weird, but they had this bet like, hey, the only reason Job loves you is because he's got everything. You strip that stuff away from him and he will curse you. And God's like, I don't think so. I think he's in it for the right reasons. I think he's in it for me. I, yeah, he's got a lot of wealth. He's got a lot of stuff, but I, th I think he's in it for the right reasons. Satan's like, no way. Take away, take away his farm. He's got hundreds of thousands of acres. Take away his money. Take away his family, his great, perfect family. Take them away. He will curse you. That all happens. Job won't curse God. Job's still in it. It stinks. Life sometimes really stinks, right? Sometimes very, 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 very hard. And then Satan's like, well, he's still got his health. Take that away, but, you know, cripple him, and then he will for sure curse you. It happens. He's sitting in a pile of ashes, scraping whelps off of his skin, and what does he say to his friends who are like, you got to curse God and die. What does he say? Naked I came into this world. I didn't, I didn't have nothing. I didn't have nothing when God made me, when he put me in this world, and naked I will leave. If it all gets stripped away, that's okay, because I still get him. He made me. He, it, it's, it's all about God, and that's a huge and hard thing to understand. But I don't want us to get derailed this morning, okay? This is not a love God in suffering talk. Okay, that there are many passages in scripture that say that, that while you suffer, you should still trust and love God. But that's not what this talk is. This is about longing for God more. This is about seeing his value. So this is a silly illustration I've used before, but it helps put it in perspective, okay? Um, if somehow eating a delicious steak, just, just be, I, I, I want one, so that's, that's kind of on my mind. Uh, if somehow doing that, would allow you or me to receive more of God, then go kill a cow. Like, go get you a cow and get you a steak, a bunch of steak. If that's really how it worked, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. But this isn't a, you better be suffering or you don't love Jesus. No, 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 no. No, you better be willing to say that if I lost everything, everything, but at the end of the day, I got Jesus. That would be a worthwhile transaction. That would be a transaction that I would celebrate. That's all that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. And do we all agree? That is a tremendously huge and life transforming principle. And it's not easy. It's not something we can take flippantly. And so that's why so many of the parables of Jesus, he's like, well, the kingdom of heaven is kind of like this. Kingdom of heaven is like this because he's needing us to understand this huge shift. It costs you everything. But in the end, you get Jesus and it's worth it. So how does this transaction occur? If, if 
God doesn't come and literally take away all my stuff? Am I supposed to go sell all my stuff? I'm confused about the stuff. Like, if I want the pearl, okay, so we're, let's go back to the story. If I want the pearl, what, what do I gotta do to get the pearl? I, I need to get the pearl. How, how do I do that? Paul talks about it so well in Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 14. Okay, this is Paul describing how you get the pearl. This is his journey of getting the pearl. He says, but what were my gains? Whatever my gains were to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have lost all things, but I consider those things garbage. Those were nothing because I got to gain Christ. And then because I gained him, I was found in him, not because of my own righteousness that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in him, the righteousness that comes from God on a basis of faith. And I want us to talk like this, okay? I want our hearts to sing these words. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. To know the power of his resurrection. And participate in his sufferings, becoming like him even in his death, the death to myself, my flesh. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, because that's the reward, that's eternity. Now, not that I've already obtained all this, and thank you, Paul, for being honest. Like, I want us to talk this way, but at least he's candid, right? Hey, I'm not perfect at this. I haven't completely got this right, but not that I've attained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on, and here's how you do. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Oh, that's beautiful, right? I wake up every day and I strive to grab the one who took hold of my heart. He already came and did it. He's expressed his value so clearly in the cross. And for those who have heard that call upon their heart to, to come and to take hold of him, just know that he grabbed you first. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. How do you say that? How do you speak craziness like that? Because either way, at the end of the day, you get Jesus. And that's all he cares about. If I'm gonna live, it's me for Jesus. If I'm gonna die, that's awesome too, because I'll get Jesus. Only thing, I can't, only thing I can't swallow is not having Jesus. I just want him. He is more than enough. So the question, church, is the pearl worth it? You've got to answer that. In your own mind, in your own heart, in the way you live your life, you've got to answer that. Is the pearl worth it? I think when things are going great and we kind of doing our own thing and we're living our own life, we're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, the pearl is worth it. And then we start having some of our Job moments, right? And we're like, I don't know if the pearl's enough suffer all this, give up all this. If you're honest with yourself in regards to this question, it will expose everything. And we don't like that. 
We don't like that in our lives. But if you're honest, it will expose everything. You will possibly see, if you're honest with this question, that there are things that in order for you to take hold of Jesus, you're going to have to let go of something else. It will cost you that. For some, it's toxic relationships. For some, it's trying to be the perfect parent. It can even be family. You, I mean, Jesus said some crazy stuff, right? But one of the things that I think is the craziest is when someone's begging to follow him, he's like, uh, you gotta hate your father and your mother. What? what? It says in, the, in the, the 10 commandments, remember Jesus? It says you're supposed to honor them. What are you talking about? He's saying, in comparison to how much you love me. There's, it's gonna expose some stuff that you may have to let go. Your security, ooh, gooch, we don't talk about that, right? Not my security, not my comfort zone, not my blanket, not, not my checking account. Like, don't, don't touch my security stuff. Like, I want Jesus and my security. You can't, can't have both. Your pride, your time. Do you hear me keep saying your? Your stuff. When he says it's gonna cost everything, it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost your life. Is the pearl worth it? Is the pearl worth it? And here's the beautiful thing. Remember Paul's words, not that I've attained all this. Not that I have this perfect, but this is my mindset. This is my kingdom mindset. This is why I want Jesus. This is what I strive for every day. I wake up and I press on towards the goal. And the goal is the pearl. Merchant was looking for it, found it, said, I'll give up everything to have that. And that's what Jesus is asking of us. There are two reasons why you would not buy the pearl. You ready? There's only two. There's two reasons why you would not buy the pearl. One, first reason, because you do not see its worth. You've looked and like, the cost is, cost is not good for what I'm getting. This, this is not valuable enough for the cost. Second reason, you do know his worth. You see it, but you've determined that the cost for it is too much from you. And I know those sound very similar, but they ultimately come down to your understanding and your value of Jesus. And it's something that we need to wrestle with. So as the band comes back up here, I'll ask the question probably a couple more times, but will you buy the pearl? Will you buy the pearl? Will you buy it? Is it worth it? Jesus says, you gotta answer that question before you can be a part of my kingdom. I know it sounds like he's being all really staunchy and, and you're like, wait, wait, what about the whole point? Like I can come, I can come broken and all. Absolutely, he doesn't say you gotta be perfect. He doesn't say you gotta be sinless. He doesn't say you literally have to go sell all your stuff. He just says you've got to have answered this question. Do you, do you see the difference? You've got to have weighed the cost. We're probably gonna do the parable where he talks about, hey, make sure before you start building towers, you know how much it's gonna cost because you don't wanna get halfway into this and have to quit. Have you weighed the cost? It will cost you everything. Or it could. But in the end, you get Jesus. 
you, Jesus. Is that pearl worth the cost? Will you buy it? You can wrestle with that, and the way we, we can do that is through just responding. Um, we have communion in the back of the room, and what a great reminder of the value. Or at least the cost that God was willing to pay so that you might be in relationship with him. It's pretty powerful when we think about that. There'll be some people up here that would love to pray with you, love to talk with you. Um, I don't for one second think that this is easy. I don't for one second think that this is like, yeah, this, this is so cool. This is, this, I'm absolutely 100% for 100 yes in. Like, I need to wrestle with this. And sometimes it's good to talk it out, pray it out. What we say at Summit, it, it echoes this, that God is in control and that Jesus is enough. He's enough. It's easy for me to say that. Okay? It's so easy for me to say that. Do you believe it? Will you buy the pearl? It is my heartfelt hope that everyone in here will be able to come to a point in their life and say yes. But I've weighed the cost. This isn't flippant. I, I've weighed the cost and I know what I'm committing to. And every day I'm gonna wake up and strive for that prize. Every day. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Father, hear my prayer and call your people into kingdom relationship with you, having fully weighed the cost and choosing you choosing you, knowing that you are a great prize. You are a valuable treasure. You, Jesus, are more than enough. Help us see that. Help us experience that joy and now receive your worship because you're worthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond to him.